seven reasons why Jesus rose from the dead. Seven reasons why Jesus rose from the dead. There are many things we can talk about the resurrection. We can let it inspire us. We can let it encourage us. We can see in it our own life. We can see our resurrection. We can see ourselves rising above limitations. We can see ourselves overcoming and all of that. But we don't also have to obscure the real truth, the real reason of the resurrection. It wasn't so that we wear white this morning. Uh, it's good to wear the white, but we have to always go back to the scripture and find the real reason behind what happened in the word of God. So seven reasons why Jesus rose from the dead. Reason number one, to give proof that he's the true and only savior of the world. The resurrection is unique to Jesus Christ and to Christianity. No one in human history has a record of dying, resurrecting, and continuing to live for over 2,000 years. No one in history has that record. There are people who have died and been resuscitated from the dead. Eventually, they died again. But Jesus is unique because of his death, resurrection, and continuous living. And this is the main thrust that Peter preached after the resurrection. He preached it on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. And Peter spoke these words in Acts chapter 2, verse 23 and 24. Him being delivered... By the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. I want you to pay attention to the ideas that Peter put forth in this message. He says that everything that happened was done by God's predetermination and foreknowledge. In other words, the, the actions of, uh, of Judas, uh, of the Roman soldiers, of Pilate, of the high priest, of, of everything, everything that happened, happened by the foreknowledge of God. There is nothing about the crucifixion and resurrection of, God, of Jesus that took God by surprise. We may be shocked by it, but God was not shocked by it. He had foreknowledge of it and he predetermined it. And Peter says clearly that Jesus was crucified and put to death. They were very certain of it. This is 50 days after the events. And then he says God raised him from the dead. And then in verse 36 of the same Acts chapter 2. Peter tells us about the uniqueness of the death of of and resurrection of Jesus. He says in Acts 2.36 Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. God has made him both Lord and Christ. The resurrection is proof 
that Christ is the only and true savior of the world. There is nothing, no one compared to him. Not in any religion, not in human history. It has never happened before. It only happened to one person to prove that if you want a savior of the world, this is he. What happened to him has never happened to anyone. It's very interesting when you consider that uh, Lazarus was raised from the dead. But the disciples of Jesus never said that Lazarus is the savior. They never said he's the Christ. Although they saw him dead for four days and resurrected. But they never ascribed to him what they ascribed to Jesus Christ. Because Lazarus died again. The uniqueness of Jesus Christ is not just that he died, not just that he rose again, but that he ever lives, never to die. The only true savior of the world. If you can find a comparison to this in any religion, that is accurate, supported by first-hand witnesses, then you can go into that religion. But you can search far and wide, high and low, that there is only one true Savior who died, who rose again, who ascended bodily to heaven and continues to live forevermore. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. So that's the first reason to give proof that he is the true and only Savior of the world. Second reason. To provide the basis for the justification of those who trust in him. Jesus had to rise to give us a basis for our justification. The resurrection is the proof that God's plan of salvation truly worked and was successful. Jesus died. He said he died. He was dying for our sins. He suffered and died. But how could we know? That his work has been successful if he had not come back from the dead. He had to come back to prove that what has happened was real. And Romans chapter 4 verse 23 to 25. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. But also for us it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. For he was delivered up for our offenses and was raised because of our justification. He was raised because of our justification. The word justification means vindication. The resurrection of Jesus Christ vindicated his death. It's like somebody who is going to explore an unknown land. And he says he's going to I explore that land. But he goes and never comes back. How can we know he went? When the first men went to the moon. How do we know they went to the moon? They, they could have gone to somewhere and came and said we went to the moon. But they returned. And when they returned they came back with moon rocks. To show we have gone and we have come back. Their return is the justification of their journey. And that is what Jesus did. If he had not risen from the dead, then 
his death will not be justified. But he went and he came back to show us that he went. The resurrection is the justification. And that is what gives us confidence that when he says we are forgiving, we are truly forgiving. Because he went and he returned. It's easy to go, but not easy to come. Easy to travel, not easy to return. If your friend, your, your brother says, I've gone to uh, uh, wherever they say they went to, and they never return, we can never know whether they went. But if they went and they came back and they show us evidence, then we can be sure that they truly went. The resurrection justifies the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why he went and he had to come back. No human being has gone and come back that way except Jesus Christ. It is to provide the basis for the justification of those who trust him. That's why he had to return. Third reason, reason number three. And this is a very big one. To demonstrate that Jesus is Lord over both living and the dead. He is Lord over both the living and the dead. And that's a very interesting statement. People are lords of the living. Kings, queens, princes, the rich, the powerful. They rule in life. However, when they die... They are like everybody else. They do not rule over death. It has been said that death is the great leveler. In Ghana we say six feet at last. You know sometimes people show pictures of dead people uh, in the mortuary. And they would say look at them. You know this was uh, so and so and he was powerful. But he's lying down beside a poor man. Because in death, he is not Lord. He was Lord in life, a servant in death. But Jesus is Lord both in life and in death. Romans chapter 14 verse 9. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again. That he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Jesus Christ is not just Lord of the living, but Lord of the dead. Think about all the great people of history. The pharaohs of Egypt. The great patriarch of Judaism and Islam. And Christianity to an extent. Abraham, Moses, David, Nebuchadnezzar, Cyrus. Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, Augustus Caesar, Charles the Great, Lincoln, Okonfuanochi, Yasantua, Winston Churchill, Nelson Mandela. So many leaders, so many people who ruled in life. We remember their great works, but they couldn't rule in death. When death conquered them, they succumbed. And they became servants of death. But this one man Jesus. He ruled in life. And he ruled in death. He overcame life. 
and he overcame death. And that is the uniqueness of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he's not Konfanochi. That is why he's not like some other religious leader. That is why he's not just like a good man, like Mandela. That's why he's not uh, just a, a, a good teacher. Because all of them ruled in life, but couldn't rule in death. But Jesus Christ, he's Lord of the living and Lord of death. There is only one man who qualifies to be that. And he's the one you have accepted as your Lord and Savior. That is why when you are a Christian, you are the most privileged human being on earth. Because your faith is anchored in this unique personality of history and eternity. Jesus Christ, ruler of death and ruler of life. That's the third reason that Jesus rose from the dead. That he, to demonstrate that he is Lord of both the living and the dead. Fourth reason why Jesus had to rise from the dead. To ensure that the name of Jesus is above, exalted above every name. Jesus wanted those who believe in him to have something to use that will make him work for them wherever they are. It is like a code or a pin that will give his followers access to him and to the father no matter who they were, no matter where they were. This pin, this code was his name. The name of Jesus is the pin of the Christian. But the pin had to work everywhere in all spheres. So Philippians chapter 2 verse 8 to 10 says and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven those on the earth and those under the earth the name of Jesus worked in heaven that's where he came from in heaven, he is Lord. In heaven, the angels bow to him. In heaven, his name is powerful. Then he came to earth and his name was powerful on the earth. His name worked on the earth. But there was one region where his name was not known because his name had never entered there. It is the region that Philippians calls under the earth. What is this place called under the earth? It is the world of darkness. It is the domain of Satan and his cohorts and demons and other rebellious spirits. They are in a different sphere. Light does not go there. Angels do not go there. Nobody goes there. They have total command of that place. And Jesus decided his name must not only work in heaven, his name must not only work on earth, his name must also work under the earth in the domain of Satan. So he had to enter the domain of Satan, not to stay there, because if he stays, then his name has been killed in hell. But he arose so that his name will have power in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, that at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth you have a pin code 
that gives you access to God's supernatural power. It is called the name Jesus. Why don't you shout that name? Jesus. Shout that name again. Jesus. Shout that name again. Jesus. Don't ever leave your pain behind. When you are dealing with struggles and pain, don't call Otabel. I have a nice name. It's a nice name. Don't say Mesa Otabel. It's not going to help you. It only works for me. But if you say Jesus, Jesus Christ, Jesus, 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 that's your pin code. That's your pin code. That's your access code. That's your password. It opens doors. It opens doors in heaven. It opens doors on the earth. And whatever Satan has held captive, the name of Jesus is able to lose it. Jesus had to resurrect because his name needed to be exalted in all spheres. In the supernatural of God, in the material world of man, and the supernatural of Satan. Whether it's in the supernatural of Satan or the supernatural of God, the name of Jesus is above every name. That's the reason number four. Three more to go. Fifth reason why Jesus Christ had to rise from the dead. To make way for the Holy Spirit to live within every child of God. After Jesus resurrected, he lived among his disciples for 40 days. After that, he bodily ascended into the right, onto the Father's right hand. Jesus had earlier provide, uh, promised his disciples that when he arose and ascended, then the Holy Spirit will come. And the reason is very simple. When Jesus was present on the earth, he was with his disciples. But he was not in them. He couldn't be inside of them. He was with them. God with us, Emmanuel. But not in them. And he says, it's good for me to be with you. But I have to be in you. Because even with them, he cannot be with them everywhere at all the time. And even if Jesus could live inside them, he could only live in one person. And then maybe change and go and live in somebody else. So he says, I have a better deal for you. I have a better deal. I need to go. I need to go. I have to some work to do. I need to go and conquer the underworld. And then I will come. And then I will go. And when I go, I will send. I will send the Holy Spirit. So that's what he promised. And that's what was delivered. Peter made note of that in Acts chapter 2, verse 33, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came. And this is what Peter said, Therefore being exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out that which you now see and hear. The resurrection of Jesus Christ and his subsequent ascension made it possible for the Holy Spirit to come not just to be with us, but to be in us. So to a very large extent, we have a better deal than those who only knew Jesus physically. 
Because with us, he is within us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is why he had to resurrect. Because if he didn't resurrect, he couldn't send the Holy Spirit. Now thank God that every believer carries the Spirit of Christ within them wherever they go. And we are never far away from him. He is close to us and we are close to him because of the Holy Spirit. The sixth reason why Jesus had to rise from the dead. To empower those who live for Christ with grace to reign in life. Until the resurrection of Jesus, death was the great master. And death became the great master because of Adam. Adam's offense against God made us all servants. In the resurrection, Jesus reversed that. Romans chapter 5 verse 17. For if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. This is one of the most important things every child of God must know. The reigning of the believer doesn't take place only in heaven. It begins in this life. Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he has given us grace, abundant grace, so that in life, we will rule in life. We'll be more than conquerors in life. We will overcome obstacles in life. We'll overcome difficulties in life. The Christian life is not a defeatist life. It is a triumphant life. It is a victorious life. It is an overcoming life. Whatever life throws against you, you will reign over it. Whatever comes against you, you reign over it. Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ has given us the grace to reign in life. That's what the Christian life is all about. Having Jesus in our hearts is not just so that we sit around and wait that we die and go to heaven. That is a promise. But that's not all that God wants us to do. He wants us whilst we are still alive here on earth to also reign in life. So today, whatever comes against you, it may be sickness, disease, poverty, whatever it is that is coming against you, you are going to reign over it. You're going to be aware of it and reign over it. Because you see, reigning over something requires you knowing that you can reign over it. Otherwise, you can be powerful and still act weak. You can be a master and still act like a servant. You can be the owner of much. And still act like somebody who has nothing. It's like the old story of the man who, in those days when people used to go to uh, the UK uh, on steamer boats. There were no airplanes to take people. People went by ship. 
And this guy spent all his money or saved all his money to buy a ticket to go to the UK from Ghana. And, uh, and he was so happy that he got a ticket. So he, he got his ticket and uh, he, it took sometimes about two, three weeks uh, for a trip from Ghana to, to the UK. So he bought a ticket. He knew that he would get there in three weeks. But to get there in three weeks, he has to stay alive for three weeks on the ship. And he didn't have money to buy food. So he packed in all kinds of gari and, and uh, things, you know, the kobe and shito and, and all of that. So he went, hoarded his food in his cabin. Three weeks, just add gari, 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 soak the gari, rice, raisin gari, shito. And, you know, just, just at, 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 at. He didn't even come out. He didn't bother about going to walk on the top. Just stay alive for three weeks. So when the trip was over, he, he got out and he saw the other passengers. And people were happy and cheerful. They said, whoa, we didn't know you were on the ship. They said, I've been on the ship for three weeks. I've been with you. They said, but you never came out. They said, yeah. Because I had to stay in my cabin and conserve my energy and eat my food small, small. They said, well, there's a dining hall up here. We never saw you there. He says, well, I didn't have money for the dining hall. They said, well, the dining hall fee is part of your ticket. Ghana man, it was part of your ticket. He could have eaten three square meals. But he was there eating his curry and thinking he was smart. He had it, but he couldn't enjoy it. That's how sometimes a Christian life is. God has given us so much, but we are not enjoying it, and we are living a backward, defeated, defeatist life. We reign in life. We reign over demons. We reign over principalities. We reign over witches and wizards. If they dare cross our path, they are in big trouble. If they dare cross your path, they are in trouble. Because the master knows he is the master. And that's what the resurrection gave us. The power to reign in life. And finally, number seven. Final number seven. To guarantee the resurrection of all believers. And their place in heaven. He rose to tell us what will happen to us. He went to tell us, show us where we will go. First Peter chapter 3, chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away. Heaven, reserved in heaven for you. The resurrection of Jesus is the guarantee of our Christian hope. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we will rise from the dead. Because he lives, we will also live. Because he's in heaven, we will also be in heaven. His resurrection has guaranteed your future. So that one day when you leave this earth... You know exactly where you are going. 
No Christian is lost in death. Every Christian is united with Christ in death. We have a guarantee of life eternal. A life set apart for us, reserved in heaven for us. And that is what the resurrection is about. So this morning, if you don't have this Jesus in your heart, you may be a good man, but you don't have life. Christianity is not just about doing good things, being nice and being kind. They are good. It's good to be nice and to be kind. Jesus tells us to do that. Love your neighbor. Love people. Be kind. Give to the poor. But that's not all that Christianity is about. It begins at a very more basic level. Not by being kind. A rich teacher of the Jewish people called Nicodemus went to Jesus Christ and was praising Jesus for all the good things that he, Jesus was doing. And Jesus said to him, Mr. Nick, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You can be nice, you can be good, you can be generous, you can be the sweetest human being on the earth, but except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nick says, so how, how is that possible? Do I have to enter my mother's womb to be born the second time? He says, no, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So Jesus says, what I'm talking about you is a spiritual birth and it takes place. When your sins are forgiving and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, you are now a born-again Christian. Jesus lives in your heart. If you believe he is the only true savior of this world, then he must live inside of you. Don't just admire him outside. Let him come into your heart. So this morning... Before I sit down, I just want to pray with you if you want Jesus to come into your heart. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you are here this morning, you say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be born again. I want to be sure that when I die, I'm going to heaven. If that's your prayer, that's your desire. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray with you this morning. If you want me to pray with you to have eternal life in Christ, just lift up your right hand wherever you are. Lift up your hand, lift up your hand. If you want me to pray with you for Jesus to come inside you, just lift up your hand wherever you are. God bless you. I see people with your hands up. Don't feel shy. Don't look at what other people are doing. Just lift up your hand. Now, if you lifted up your hand, I'm going to ask you to just stand up. Just stand wherever you are. Just stand. God bless you. Just stand. God bless you. God bless you. Wherever you are, just stand. Just stand. And I want you to put your hand on your heart wherever you are as you stand. And let's all pray this prayer together. Say with me, Heavenly Father, I come to you today just as I am. I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. I thank you, Father, that Jesus died for me on the cross. He took away my sin and gave me his righteousness. And today... I receive the gift of righteousness from Christ Jesus. I thank you that you are my Lord Jesus. Change me. 
make me yours. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Oteville, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Oteville. Email Oteville at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.